Welcome. This is the voice of Dan Abernathy and the Cool Cast C H O L. Brought to you from the Cool Bus, a nineteen ninety one international school bus that I call my home. This episode is being recorded and produced in my hometown, the town I was born and raised in, Bayfield, Colorado. The cool bus is sitting between the barn and the chicken coop. Every morning I get to uh, listen to the chickens getting out and scrounging for what the chicken scrounges for. It was really cool the night I pulled in here. I get into the, the farm, is getting dark and we get the things separated and backed in, parked and put up for the night and uh, open the windows to let some of the fresh mountain air come in and I was uh, greeted by crickets, which has been a really nice greeting as my last couple of, of stays have been in more urban areas. I find it kind of ironic that in this episode, I'm talking with Katie and Brian, who are some of the most amazing humanitarians I've, I've ever met and the things that they do for people out of love, out of compassion, out of being kind to your fellow man comes in the cloud of what's going on by right here in the United States by our own government. The thousands of kids being uh, separated and in some cases literally torn from their mother's arms in the current administration's attempt at controlling the immigration problem. We stop and listen and do not hear. We stop and look and do not see. We understand that the kids have to recite the national anthem to a country that will never be theirs in a, an attempt to brainwash, maybe, to make it seemingly all right that we're an Americans. It makes me sick to my stomach to realize that uh, our, our nation, the supposedly strongest, most caring nation that has been in the past, now has no compassion, has no kindness, and they'll let an administration depict illegal acts and we, without any accountability for it. We turn these kids from their mothers and we, we sit aside and, and let uh, nothing happen. No, we have no recourse. There is nothing being, being done. There's no due process. It hurts me. And uh, I don't know what the outcome is going to be or where it's going. But I fear the wind is going to be a lot stronger before it gets uh, weaker. Tell me, brothers, when we're going to go from here? When the only thing left to do is love or fear? Mother Mary gonna shed a final tear Revolution tell me that the end's coming near Said a new man who served his country well Can't tell the free world from a living hell PTSD is what the doctors say Take pills, make tears go away Rescue ghetto boys and show them love 
Don't ship them overseas and give them guns. Their blood is on the bills of corporate funds. Financing holy war with Muslim. Tell me, soldiers, when we're gonna go from here? When the only thing left to do is love or fear? Mother Mary gon' shed a final tear. Revolution, tell me that the end's coming near. Said a new man who bought Miss Sally Mae could not afford the interest he had to pay. Foreclosing, now he lives on the streets today. Congress bailed them out, their crime's okay. Cheers to politicians and CEOs. Told about the ones that took their generation to slit their throats. Poor derivative of sweat, equity. Why did children pledge allegiance to land of the free? Baby boomers, where we gonna go from here? When the only thing left to do is love or fear Mother Mary gonna shed a final tear Revolution, tell me that the end's coming near If freedom's worth everything we got Broken from a man was on top Distracted by the planes like bombs that drop Wall Street got away, the coup d'etat Tell me brothers when we're gonna rise Take back a generation Change the tides One day children grow They realize Why my mama wiped the tears From her eyes but Tell my sisters Where we gonna go from here When the only thing left to do Is love or fear Mother Mary gonna shed a final tear Revolution, tell me that the end's coming near. That was To Love or To Fear by Brian Ernst from the album To Love or To Fear. The conversation that I had with uh, Brian and Katie, needless to say, was a long one. And we went and covered a lot of different stuff. So uh, in this episode, I'm going to go straight to the favorite part, a conversation with someone you should know, Katie and Brian Ernst. And I have to tell you, uh, tell you guys from uh, where, where I sit over here is how um, you, you have no idea how much I love you guys and what it means to me for you guys to be here doing this. You, when I met you, um, I don't even know how many years ago I met you guys, but it doesn't matter because it's I've known you our whole lives. And the, the things that you've inspired me to do, you, you, you know, it's just, I can't tell you what you've added to my life. And to follow you, to see what you do, 
to, to go across the, the world helping people, you know, down to the, the, the moments where you interact with somebody at a live show and the, the passion that you, the number of shows that you do would make a professional, uh, big time, multi-million dollar performer envy because, Brian, you put passion out when you sing and you do it time and time and time again. And I've seen you play with a lot of people and I've seen you play with nobody. And it's all the same. Yeah, you, 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 you don't take it, you don't, you know, one person gets just as much as a hundred. And, and I, you have, yeah, I just, uh, I'm very, very proud to call you my friends and I love you guys dearly. Your family, um, too. Uh, and you're here in the bus, what you helped, you know, if, if it hadn't been for you guys and, and your buses, uh, I would probably, my, my dream would have, uh, it might not have ever happened. It would have probably manifested. <laughs> I think you have a, a way, a knack of manifesting <laughs> dreams, Dan. So, so we're doing this. This is, this is the the first re recording for the Cool Cast, as I am uh, now 100% uh, nomadic. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I have no home, as you guys. And uh, yep. so it's, we have it's homes. A, it's they're just it's just on wheels. Exactly. And in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> And the quote you gave me the other day when we were speaking, and, and he said, it's not a fast car, it's a slow house. It's a slow house. <laughs> Lead it and wait. Uh, oh, it's so good to be in a bus. Uh, yeah. I feel, we feel like so home with being back in a school bus. It's like. That's nice. Uh, you guys always are just like instantly comfortable whenever you, you come in here, you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just being, yeah, being in a school bus, spending six years in a bus. Miss it. Miss it. I think uh, I, there may be a, a bus in the future again. Yes. Maybe on Def a piece of land. Yeah. yeah. Like a little retreat center. Yeah. Where Veggie we bus. We can go to recharge and other people can go and recharge. <laughs> yeah. Next to like a stream and some oh, trees. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Lots of dreams. We'd have yeah. to have somewhere to put said bus, which yeah. would uh, be somewhat of an issue for us because our home is a road like you. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. You never know what the future holds. True. So, how long have you guys been together? We met in 2006. We did, um, we kind of dated from 2006 to 2009. -ish. So, going on 12 years. Yeah. But, and we're about to have our seventh wedding anniversary. What, what made you leave normality? And go go into normality of being who you we are. I think we were born outside of normality. <laughs> I don't know what normal is. Yeah, you probably relate a little bit to that one, right, Dan? I get are you. <laughs> Something that is really cool though is Brian and I both like individually chose an alternative lifestyle. I mean, it wasn't like we had to talk one another into it. We had both kind of already sought that out when we met. So you, you was kind of living the life before you, you hooked up? Well, we and were at the very <coughs> beginning of it, but yeah. we had the desire. Gotcha. And we dated long distance for four years. And in that four years, we were both started traveling. Full time. Full, like, well, mostly full not, time. Well, yeah. Like, I was mostly traveling, working on farms, mm. just without a car, like, on very little money, but living just you know, this quieter life in nature, moving every few months to different parts around the country and then around the world. And Brian had just started traveling with his music. 
we I was we still always... working I was still working like a warehouse job like a nine to five when we first when we first met you yeah. know I wasn't a musician that I had a desire to and desire and and I was you know street performing and busking and around the yeah. Midwest and stuff but I was still working a normal job and and uh, yeah Katie went and studied abroad overseas in Australia. And, got, and I got the travel bug. She got the travel bug, kind of hook, line, and sinker there. Yep. <laughs> and she came back and was just, was, you were four, four credits away from graduating college? I'm like a semester away. A semester away from your bachelor's. <laughs> and you were, she was like, I'm going to go travel and I want to get my education traveling. And then all of a sudden I got canned for my job and started, uh, I decided I'd go full time into music and willing to sleep in my car and and wherever I could and sing for my supper and, and Katie was traveling around doing the farm thing and uh, wolfing and staying on farms and getting those life skills and and then she said one day she was like I want to go do this round the world ticket I want to buy a bunch of plane tickets one way tickets and literally go just backpack around the world and that was always a dream of mine was to travel overseas you know I traveled a lot in the United States but I wanted to travel overseas and here Katie was gonna go do that and you know long story short I basically you know put my music aside to go meet up with her and yeah like four months into my trip he came to New Zealand this is December of 2009 and we started um hitchhiking together and we were just gonna be together for a few weeks and then go off and do our own thing again but somewhere in that time in New Zealand we were like we're going to do this together. Let's figure out how to do this together. <laughs> yeah, on the long term. I remember I remember a couple months into, maybe a couple months into that that trip where we were backpacking, hitchhiking around New Zealand. You sleeping know, in our tent sleeping every in night. Our, yeah, sleeping in our tent. And, and I remember we had this map of the United States. And Kate, that was Katie and I were, you know, trying to hash this out. Not hash it out, but we were trying to brainstorm and figuring out, okay, how can we how can we do this together? You know, Katie said right off the very bat, she's like, I want you to know, like, I'm not going to be riding your coattails. I don't want to be like the little merch girl. That's just along for the ride. I want to do work. I want to be, you know, I'm, it has to have a bigger purpose for me, which was right. ended up being journey for you. Right. Which I had already which started. Already had the vision for. Yeah. And I'd done okay. a few things with journey for youth starting back in 2004, 2000 or 2005, 2006. You know, but I was focused so much on my music. Journey for Youth wasn't really, I was just doing different things, but it wasn't an official 501c3, and it was just kind of this side thing that I was doing. And, and when we were in New Zealand, Katie's like, you know, it kind of you know, it kind of just made sense that Katie would take responsibility over Journey for Youth and really start using that. Developing and, it. Uh, and developing. Just to have both of our energy to put, mm-hmm. we could do more. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what you've been able to do with your music you've always had this vision to use your music for the good of others. If we're going to join forces, like I can put my energy towards helping that vision yep. and bringing it to life. And, and the, the music is a perfect platform. Yeah. The, 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 the stage yeah. for, to, to bring the audience right. in, for, to bring the money in, to, to, to help yep. with what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And we have such markets. an opportunity, right. like yeah. meeting so many different people yeah. all over the country yeah. and all over the world now, because we've toured in other countries as well with the music. Yeah. And, so. and Journey for Youth is, is such an uh, amazing thing to me. I mean, I'm, so fast I mean, forward from New Zealand, though, we went and did 
four months in Southeast Asia backpacking around. We did a little volunteering, teaching English in Cambodia. And then we went to Africa and Kenya. And we had a homestay with a local family. And we stayed with them for three months in a mud house. We just lived like locals. We ate with the family. We bathed in the lake with everybody. We sat at the fire. I sat at the fire every day, cooked dinner with the women. Uh, we played with kids. We fed kids lunch every day. So we started to get to know the people. And three months in Kenya with no electricity is like three years. Yeah. <laughs> time really does slow down. It does. And you really, it's a small community. You really begin to feel like you're part of this community. So Journey for Youth really has, when I look back on Journey for Youth and think, why did we start this in Kenya? It's really a response to these people that we kind of fell in love with yeah. that first trip. Yeah. And we've stayed committed to the same families that we've worked with and that we got to know back in 2010. This is a small community. Yeah. Very small. So Mud huts like on, on, kids, on a little island. Yeah. Now, and we initially started with like the kids that were in the lunch program that we were feeding. And then we, um, a few years later, added all their siblings. So we went from like 30 kids to about 100 kids. And now we work with schools to add new kids and select vulnerable children to add to our program. Just keep the cap off of it. There's no, you're not, you're not going to run out of kids. Um, <clears throat> every year we add more kids. We add, and it's yeah, it's and in our in our yeah. The thing now is that a lot of the kids that we've known now for going on eight years are getting older and they need higher education opportunities. Right. So we have 10 kids at the moment in high school. In high school in Kenya, it's $500 a year to go to high school, but that you board there. So you get your room and your meals. Whereas compared to elementary school, it's $30 a year for a child to go to school. So in college can be, you know, in the thousands a year. So we had our first kid graduate college this year. And we really believe in him and we see He's overcome so much in his life, and we've been able to be a small part of that. But we want to see more students, like yeah, Calvin, have these opportunities. Imagine how, how, how that would feel, you know, to, to know, you know, you, you've done such wonderful things, you know, and, and when you see something like that happen, those events, he graduated college. Yeah. Know, and uh, that's, and I remember we talking one other time about how uh, the $30 for the grade school, which is to the Eighth grade, yep. Mm -hmm. Primary school, preschool to eighth grade. Okay, and uh, then and then it's five hundred dollars from eight to mm -hmm. twelve. Yep. Okay. Now, what happens if, if when that that void hits and, and you know, because obviously financially looking at it, mm -hmm. you, you can put a lot of kids through grade school. Yeah. Okay, but then but then it, when it, the, that's a big increase. Yep. To put them in, in, in the high school. Exactly. And then what happens to the kids if they don't go to high school? Well, especially like the girls, um, they I mean, usually they get could married. Maybe find, they young. could possibly, there could be other opportunities for them too. Not many. There's not many of them out there. Most of them will stay in the village and there's still polygamy in the village. And it's also a fish, fishing community. So you have people from the outside that come in and the young girls will usually become the second or third or fourth wife of a man and get pregnant young and... 
you know, kind of continue that cycle. We're like, we're talking young, we're talking early teens. Oh yeah, we've had 11 year old girls that we know have been married and gone pregnant mm -hmm. by like 40 year old men. Yeah. <clears throat> so we have one there's girl. Lot, there are some like really, there are some like really bad things that go over there, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of great things that happen there too, culturally. Yeah, and, there's a lot of beautiful And no, I'm not trying to say culture. any, and I don't, and I don't want to, with respect to them, I don't want to just focus all on bad things, but right. you know, you know, we are, we do have an amazing opportunity to be able to uh, <clears throat> give uh, or help others have more of an opportunity, right. you know, because it is just as it is just as much their hard work as well mm -hmm. uh, to do that. But yeah, if they're, you know, unfortunately, like, especially for women and younger girls are extremely vulnerable uh, in that, in that culture. Right. And yeah, if you aren't pursuing education or career, which there aren't a lot out there, then, you know, then it's especially in the area that we work in where it's very uh, tribal and family and, you know, yeah, getting, you know, it's, yeah. there's, there's really no telling what can happen. There's one what, what about the guys, the, 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 well, the, young, the young boys? There's not the, many opportunities. Like this, this village in Rasinga Island is on the shores of Lake Victoria. So first so long people were able to make their livelihood from fishing well that's tapered off significantly in the last 10 20 years every year it's a big difference where men used to be able to rely on fishing for a good income for food source and now it's almost diminished it's completely to depleted yeah um due to so, overfishing pollution and um uh, the introduction of invasive species by the Nile perch, but like the Nile perch fish, and and by other uh, other Western countries, you know. So there's there's a lot of things that have happened, yeah. So the economic opportunities there uh, have very much depleted. So for men, I think a lot of men struggle with depression because I think there's something innate in men to want to provide for their families, and if they struggle to provide, they get tempted. By alcohol abuse and drugs, is, is and there quite a bit of that there too. Drugs yeah, you see, would, yeah, definitely. You yeah. definitely see it, and um, they make like homemade liquors with like batteries and right. all kinds. I don't of stuff. see that a whole. I haven't. I don't see that a whole lot in the actual village, but you know, even people, the surrounding towns. Yeah, and so. more of the developed areas, like more of the develop. Even the next biggest town over, you know, you see more of that. People who are, especially men or women who are seeking economic opportunities aren't really going to find that in the little village right. that we work in. So right. they go on to the bigger cities. And so so the, 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 little, the little boy, it's just, he, he just graduated from eighth grade and he can't get the funding to go on. And, and he's like 12 years old? Uh, um, probably 14. Probably 14 or 15 if he was privileged enough to be able to maintain, stay in school okay. for all those years. Yeah. Where does he go? Where, I mean, where, where does where does he, he, he now? I don't have the money to go into high school. Uh, some of the kids that we know, um, like unfortunately, there are some there are like some kids that um, you know that we obviously were not able to come up with funding for uh, for their high school education. So there's you know some one of the children friends, uh, one of the young men that we know, you know he, he looked towards uh, one of the other opportunities out there are uh, uh, what they call peaky peakies, which are the motorcycles, which are their form of taxi and transportation. Okay. So. A lot of kids, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, are basically employed by the owners of the Peaky Piggies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's, 
it's it's kind of a there's been a lot of accidents yeah, with there's, young yeah. boys that end up being the peaky drivers. Yeah. And there's more people in the village who won't ride yeah. with them and because of that. Right. And it's, it's really challenging, too, because things like, you know, it, there's the, it's not like, again, I don't want to talk badly about uh, Kenya, but um, and places around the world uh, there, you know, when you have. There's the, the the institution isn't set up where police officers, for instance, aren't appropriately compensated by the mm-hmm. state. So because of that, that creates a, a bribery and corruption and stuff like that. I mean, it's a big problem throughout the developing world, which mm-hmm. is just as much our responsibility here in the first world as it is the ones who are taking that. But, um, you know, by having that si- system in place with the briberies and it's really rampant out there. You know, with uh, with that, so it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's really hard to uh, legislate, if you will. Not that it's my responsibility as a foreigner to worry to worry about legislation in a foreign country, but it's really challenging for these these kids. They could they can do that, and it's mm-hmm. and even that makes these younger kids twelve, thirteen. You know, if they're driving down the road and the police officer there because he stands there and asks for the bribe, you have to pay the bribe before you can continue. You know, and if 12, 13 year old there is there, you know, he's either paying that bribe, but you know what, that police officer might actually make, make him pay more, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a whole nother. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. But a lot of them will just stay at home until, you know, they'll live with their grandparents or their parents yeah. and help out around Look the house yeah. whenever they can. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And so, um, do you guys like have a, uh, a, t- a time when uh, you, I mean, are you working on this constantly, um, or is, do you have a time when you need to? Uh, also, you, you, it's school's getting ready to start. Mm-hmm. We, we need to make a drive now. To, yeah. To raise, to, so what we do is every year we give our current sponsors. We have sponsors for our elementary kids. Mm-hmm. When we receive a new photo of the child, we'll send out like a thank you and just a photo to the current sponsor and give them the opportunity to re-sponsor for the, the following year. We work about six months in advance. So if the current sponsor doesn't re-sponsor, then we have to then find a new sponsor for the child. Which is what we do at our shows. Right. So then we, you know, and then if we have new kids that the schools have said, there's these vulnerable children in our school that could use your sponsorship, so the school's helping out, too, with the yeah. right, right people. They have a board now in Kenya um, that they've organized. And they have different board members and criteria. They're where all they, locals. Right. They also choose who gets the higher right. education sponsorship, so that's not That's not our choosing. job. That's their job. Oh, okay, cool. And they yeah. base it off the vulnerability of the child, um, their academic performance, their like community involvement, the respect they see through yeah. the individual. So they kind of have like a holistic approach, like yeah. what's the need? You know, some of our kids that we've offered even high school sponsorships to are the first ones in their family to ever go to high school. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. So, about, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what is your turnover rate for the people that are sponsoring um, kids? Do they, uh, are they, are they, some people they, have been sponsoring for years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. we have some people uh, who are just, we're so grateful for. I mean, they literally, some people sponsor you know, been sponsoring for years, and yeah. you know we. Well, I guess I'd you say know at least half 
probably the have. people will re-sponsor. Yeah. Which we are super grateful for. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't we don't we don't make it one of those things where it automatically does that. Right. We've made a we've made a pol kind of a, an, a policy, if you will, with uh, not only Journey for Youth but how we conduct and run this nonprofit is yeah. by not asking for. We don't like yeah. asking for things. We don't like asking for money. We don't want to. If somebody we're not is, big on fundraising. We're not big on fundraising. It, the, the money comes in, and we we do with it what we can, and we don't do we don't you know we don't we're not in debt, and we mm. don't you know it's it's uh we we also we we respect people who maybe feel compelled to sponsor a child maybe at one of our shows, and but we do not have any expectation or put any kind of pressure that mm. people would continue to do that because we understand. How I think change. because we run Journey Through so bare bones, like basically the admin work is Brian and I, and mostly you, mostly, mostly me. like most way like by and far and wide. Mostly we you. live ourselves without electricity, so half the time our computers are dead, half the time we're like somewhere with no service, so we get really behind on that work. Yeah, and we don't. I don't take a salary. Brian doesn't take a salary from Journey Through. You. So it's all volunteer basis. So maybe our our sponsors don't hear from us as often. Yeah. Like maybe they hear from us once a year, but they're paying thirty dollars. Right. And that's going a hundred percent to the child. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's what I think. You know, it, um, I mean, it's thirty dollars, thirty bucks. That's 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 a, 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 a that's a lunch. For a whole year, yeah. thirty yeah. bucks for it's not thirty bucks a month. It's yeah. thirty bucks for a whole, whole year, year, and that is a whole year's. Uh, tuition, yeah. school fees, uh, and new shoes and new uniform. I mean, it's and quality shoes and uniforms. Quality, yeah. It was amazing this year to see the kids' uniforms that we got for them last year, and how well they take care of them. Yeah, and that exactly. they were lasting. Oh, you're we talking. Like, I mean, you're living mud houses, mud, no infrastructure, dirty kids are kids. I'm like, no, their uniforms How do they keep shape. these? uniforms in such good shape you know well, but it's like it's a white shirt and you live on an island in east africa and you have to you know they're a very prideful culture right. you know i mean even though they live in mud huts like they dress nicer than we do yeah katie and i dress in rags when we're there. <laughs> but the kids that receive these opportunities even the young kids are so grateful oh, and we see that our kids become they rank them in kenya in the education system you can see where the kids are ranked like in their class, and our kids become like the, the top of the class. Oh, wow. And they, you know, they don't get sent home because they don't have shoes. They don't get sent home because they don't have a uniform. And they, and now we're developing a new program with our older kids because we see the older kids as the leader, the new leaders mm -hmm. of Journey for You. Me and the we older had, kids are the high school kids. Right. We have an amazing coordinator, Sam and Asogo in Kenya, and he is working with the young people to instill leadership qualities mm -hmm. in them and they are now going to be mentoring the younger students underneath them nice. so that's like the next phase of journey for you and our, our coordinator out there salmon is you know a lot i we actually uh when we said the admin work is done mostly by katie um it's on done by katie side. on this side it's yeah. actually done you know on, on this side here in the united states it's done mostly by katie but that's only half the work you know, most of that work, there's a lot, all the on the ground work. Right. I mean, that is our coordinator, Salmon. And Salmon is like, a, he's, he's like, he's, I think he's my age, mm -hmm. uh, 34. And, but he's a teacher. He's a teacher to me. He's right. like, the work that this man does 
I mean, it's in Journey for Use, the impact that we are actually able to be, to do is, you know, really far wide by our coordinator and the leadership of these. You know, we have, you know, this, as Katie said, the students are excelling academically in the Journey for Youth program. That, I think, is a reflection of not just the hard work of these children, but also the leadership out in Kenya are uh, the women and the elders in and salmon who right. that committee that chooses which children and you know, the mothers have know. all come together to yeah. inform their own group and yeah. they all meet together yeah. once or twice a month yeah and they well, also volunteer and yeah. give back to journey for youth oh. and you know we really like they ask us a lot what should we do about this but we always ask them back we trust their judgment more than yeah. ours because well, they're, they're, they're the locals they're, and they right, know right. they know the best thing for their people right. more than we yeah. know we don't know that and i and i <clears throat> I don't want, and then I, we don't feel that it's our place to go to Kenya to tell them what to do. You yeah. know, that's to not live in my their place. Country, yeah. yeah, that's not my place. Yeah. The rain catchers. Yeah. yeah I, what, I can we, I always forget what you call them. We, like rainwater harvesting. Rainwater harvesting. Rain, yeah. harvesting yeah. How, what a neat thing that is, even though I, I, I'm thinking that uh, it's still probably not the best water. It's rainwater. Yeah, but I mean, it's coming off of roofs, and depending on how rusty their 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 iron sheet roofs roof well, is. Well, right? but we take that into consideration. When we do we take that into them. consideration. Yeah. So we had one woman whose roof was completely rusted, yeah. and so and they decided she you know agreed that it, the rain tank would be installed on her son's home, which was right next door. Okay. And then he <clears throat> brings, and she's getting very old, so now they bring her her water every right. day. No. Um, and how does that work? It's, uh, I know you set it up to empower the, the, the elderly mm -hmm. and the, the elderly of, of the village. And so they have control of the water. Um, it's well, basically their, it's their, their water, right. but they all share. Like, right. And it was incredible to be in their houses this year and the ones who we had already installed. And we'd say, you know, this came to water last year year round. And, you know, there's a rainy season and a dry season. But during the rainy season, when they have excess water, they fill other containers mm -hmm. so that they can store more of the rainwater. And then it lasts them throughout the entire dry season. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these women have children who come to their home. They're like the caregivers, you know. Right. Like All women If you go to the, yeah. especially the elders, though, yeah. you'll go to their house and there'll be so many kids just sitting around. They're like the grandmothers to everyone. Mm -hmm. And they have so much wisdom, and they're like the spiritual leaders of the community. So we see that investing in them and keeping them healthy, they're investing so much into their community and so the kids around them. A lot of them take care of orphan kids. They're not hoarding the water. They're giving the water to Oh, yeah. And they, some of them have planted little gardens around the rain tanks where they have some fruit trees growing now. Nice. And one of the programs we're hoping to get off the ground soon is having our kids in our program go to the elders home and plant more fruit trees oh, so we can start to yeah. have fruits available to the people over there more now is this what would the situation be if, if you put the men in charge of the, the <laughs> it probably be privatized for profit yeah. uh, and then used for drinking i don't know I, it's probably wrong again you mean to say but i don't i don't know We've, we just uh, really trust the woman yeah. and um we really want to honor them. I knew the answer to that before I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, like, one of the significance of these, the, the elders, the elder women receiving these rainwater harvesting tanks, 
is that this island is it's it's an island that's not very big um it's i don't know how to geographically to compare it to but it's basically it has a has a big mountain on top and then it's just a it's a mountain on top and then an island that's you know the pinnacle being the top of the mountain so mm -hmm. it's an incline these women who are receiving these wind water harvesting tanks you know their huts are maybe a mile or two i would yes yeah, some of them are really up far up on that mountain so you're talking 78 some of these some of these women are really old they don't and know how old they are. So yeah, they're so old they don't know how old they are. Yeah. And uh, actually, one of them, I think the oldest uh, widow we have, they say she's one hundred and two years old. One hundred and two years Esther. old. Oh yeah, I know, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. And yeah. we did we did a water tank for her this last year. But yeah, she can't go and walk, you know, a thousand foot incline down or down decline, and then a thousand foot incline back up. Carrying water. Yeah. No, yeah, and she can't afford to pay for the donkey cart. That's what they do. They, they get donkeys and then they hang all those uh, jerry buckets, can. jerry can buckets yeah. on the side of the donkey. And that's how they deliver yeah. the water to all the people. But, um, yeah, like to be able to do that saves them, you know, a lot more time. I mean, yeah. how much time does that well, save them over strength. the course? Yeah. Strength yeah. and health and the water that they're going to go collect down in Lake Victoria so is death water. It's death yeah. water. Man. We've, we've been sick from some of the yeah. things in that water. Yeah. Well, and we've been sick, and then we leave, and we get healthy. We cannot imagine right. only drinking that water. I mean, I was talking it's to bad, a woman one day, bad, bad, and bad. she was talking to me. Their faith over there is so beautiful. It's so real. And they really have to cling on to it because they don't have bank accounts. They don't have, you know, all these other things in place. They don't even really have grocery stores. Well. So they really have deep faith. And this woman one day was talking to me about heaven, you know, and the next life. And her eyes were, like, glittering as she spoke. And one of the things she said was, we'll have clean water to drink. I don't want to see these people have clean water to drink now. Like, like they it's have such clean. a basic, basic like, thing. Yeah. I Like, there's cleaner water in our toilets than they have access to. So, you know, we're starting with the elders, but one day we'd like to see clean water available is, to well, everyone. Is, is there a, a, a limit to the number of stations you can put in? No, yeah. not at all. And um, they've, a few organizations have come in and built wells, but the people don't use them because the groundwater is salty. Mm -hmm. So that's why we've chosen the rainwater instead of the well water. And they still come in, and you'll still see more nonprofits coming in there, and they're spending thousands. But they don't talk to the local Thousands people. of dollars, more wells, more wells, more wells. The people they have, there's wells everywhere, and nobody's at the wells. You know, it's salt water. Oh. It's salt water. So rainwater, I think, is the best solution. And they do have a heavy rain season where right. they can really store a lot of water. And then, and and it is really important, you know, and, and planting trees. You know, that's just something that we were made aware of as we were speaking with the elders there. And they told us the history about the single island. Springs. used to be a, that mountain used to provide seven or eight different springs that used to rush clean, fresh water down. And that's, and it used to be a jungle there. It used to be, you know, right there at the equator. They weren't always You know, poor. it was just all like, all beautiful jungle and trees and stuff. And, and then, you know, the white man came in there and, uh, you know, and they, they 
the, the, as the elders told us, you know, the, they came in there saying that, hey, you know, to be, you know, you need to be civilized. You can't be walking around naked, you know, and you need to, you know, to be civilized is to, you know, also believe in Jesus and so on and so forth. And, and it just completely changed their culture. I mean, it just, it completely. Well, the development. The like, development. They started cutting down the trees. Cutting to down build the trees. Buildings and schools. And, yep. Um, we're going to come in and we're going to, you guys are going to love this fish. The British did this in the 50s. You know, and this is when they're still, you know, Kenya was still colonized right. by the Western imperialism mm -hmm. of the British crown. Mm -hmm. so you guys are going to love this fish, the Nile Parch. We come in there and they do that. And the Nile Parch is like, it's like bigger than me. It's a massive fish. It eats, eats everything, everything, kills everything. It even and, eats its own kind. Yeah, I mean, well, it eats everything. And I mean, this. There's no diversity the, left the, in the, the lake. The, the tilapia was the main fish there, right? Lake like Victoria was it tilapia one of the um, I think tilapia, and I forget what the other some of the other fish that were there. It, there was know. a big diversity. There was a huge diversity. Was, I mean, yeah, you think about lake. this. Okay. Lake. Lake Victoria is like the size of Ohio or something. Yeah. It's massive. Four or five different countries yeah. Yeah. touch it, and it's, you know, but it's over. It's I mean, it is, they, they say in the next 10 years, it's going to be a dead lake. Oh. Dead. You know, which is a, which really severely impacts people who are living tribal, living off the land, making, you know, right. out there. Wow. It's interesting how development can be so harmful. And progress, too. You know, even the people who come in there, you know, like the, the colonizers who came in there, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not in a colon, I'm not a colonizer apologist by any means, you know, but, you know, they, you know, they, I'm sure that they felt in their own hearts that they were doing the right thing by coming in there and, you know, and, and whatnot. But it, it's crazy. As progress comes, so do problems, right. you know. What, what would, what's your, what would you think, um, if you brought in like a, a aquaponics, aquaponics, aquaponics into yeah. like a, a lot a of village, like a that. lot of the we were really excited about that idea, mm -hmm. and a lot of the women that we work with are afraid because we had one woman who got a grant to start an aquaponics farm on her land, on her land, small pond. When she was <clears throat> about to harvest her first batch of fish, she. Someone came in and poisoned her pond, and she started getting threats from some of the local men that so, were infringing on their on their fishing business. A lot of the women, because of her story, are afraid to go in that direction. Here she has an economic opportunity and possibly economic self sustainability with sustainable means and sustainable ends, and because it potentially infringe it was going to infringe on other you know mm -hmm. on the men who are running there that her pond got poisoned we did help the same mother um start a fruit tree nursery in her yard yeah and we got her a solar pump that pumps the water from the lake to irrigate her trees mm -hmm. and she's been able to make an income selling some of her fruits mm -hmm. and now she also gives her fruits away to some of the hungry people yeah so i don't know the, the fishing's got to be bad, right? Oh, the fishing. I mean, even when we were there, eight when we first went there eight years ago, we could you could walk down to the pond every single day. And I mean, 
I mean, one, you, every night you'd watch, you the know, hundreds out. and hundreds and hundreds of fishermen boats going out there, which is a very dangerous job and really hard, physically Hybrid. demanding, not fun work. And uh, and now, I mean, you don't, you hardly see any of them. And you could go down to the market. I remember going down there with fish. We go down the lake almost every single day to bathe, which you don't do. Don't touch Lake Victoria <laughs> water. We didn't went. know that when we first went. And yeah, they, you would see fish. They'd be pulling out fish, like bigger fish, man, like fish like, you know, foot long, two feet. And they, they were talking about them. They were like, oh, the fishing's so bad. You wouldn't, what it used to be, what it used to be. And that was almost 10 years ago. Now, when we went, we went right back there in February. I mean, fishing there, I mean, you're talking about, they're pulling, they're, they're, they're all trying to get the little tiny, like the little tiny, tiny fish, like the fish that are, you know, smaller than your pinky type fish. You know, and you don't want to be just wiping out all those fish because they're not going to be able to reproduce and mm -hmm. make more fish. So, well, it's well, a big problem. Out what there what right if now. you put it in the aquaponics, not for just a, a person, but put it on a bigger scale for, there, for the community? There is an organization right now that's doing some really neat projects. Yeah. Um, that we, we got to briefly meet with them this last trip. Mm -hmm. And they have like a special specialist from Vietnam right now who's teaching them. Some different fishing techniques. Yeah. Um, where they're doing fish farming. Is he from but Vietnam? In the no, he's from the Philippines. Oh, the Philippines. Yeah, they okay, brought in a Filipino right. coming in there, and he. They're kind of doing oh. some uh, fish farm, but they have cages out in, in the, the water, and they go out and feed them, and then. Trap the fish. They're okay. growing the fish in the lake, mm -hmm. and they're hoping to do some trial with it, and yeah. then they can start teaching. Yeah other people yeah there's definitely some so other nonprofits and people out there doing that some potential mm -hmm. and it'll be neat to see how that develops and in terms of you know for us you know we've tried a lot of different things out there and it's been an evolution of what works and what doesn't work and you know for us we've kind of evolved to the point at least right now that developing you know we're not really so much interested as trying to develop or come up with any new ideas, you know, one that's, we don't know, that's, that's they, those things, but the one thing that we do know that works is what we feel that we've, and that's what we've invested most of the resources that we've been given for Journey for Youth is into education, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, I'll, there's so many things that we want to do, and Katie and I, as you know, we're pulled in so many different ways as not just our activism and our, our life work is in transit to journey for youth but as well as these other things you know we're trying to we're trying to as we are so diverse as in the you things travel we're your heart about. kind of connects to different things all over yeah. the place oh, absolutely. And, yeah you know one day we'd love for a journey for youth to be not just in kenya you know and to be working with other communities and nonprofits yeah. in different parts of the world we're all connected yeah. and when we can do something for someone else it's somehow does something incredible for ourselves. It's, and that's what that's one thing Brian and I talk about a lot is we always go with this desire to help others and they teach us and help us way more than we could ever do for them. Yes. We experience that every time we go into something like we want to do something good for these people. That's because you have gratitude. Unconditionally too. Like yes. we don't come, you know, there's there's people or whatever. I mean, I'm, we don't, we don't, we don't have an agenda. You know, I'm not trying to give them something, or I want something from them, or I'm trying to, 
you know, spread my thoughts, political, religious, imperialism, whatever. I'm not, we don't, you know, a lot of people ask us like, oh, do you go there and do this and do that and do this? And, and it's, oh, you know, you're helping poor people. Like, no, no, no. These people are rich, extremely rich. They're rich in areas that I'm very poor in. And it's about relationships. And it is about relationships. You know, there's no... If I really want an authentic relationship with you, for instance, you know, then I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want to have an agenda, to have something hidden. We have hope. Hope that somehow our relationship with these people can make their lives better. Right. Because we already know that our relationship with these people have made our lives better. Right. So we want to respond to that and hope that we can help see their lives become better too. And, and it moves on, yeah. you know, because you, you uh, feeling it and living it and being able to project because when you, when you do this out of your heart and you don't have any other agenda, it's such a, a pure form pure. of communication yeah. that other people hear it and they think, well, yeah, I, I got 30 bucks, you know, yeah. I can, you know, and, it's, and it, it's, it's, it makes you feel good. What it is is Ubuntu, which is the concept that you know, we are connected that like if you two were hungry and somebody gave me a hot dog right. or some food, right. like even though I could completely eat that entire thing to myself right in front of you guys, right. I still would not be completely full. I can't be completely full. I can't be not hungry if you guys are hungry. Right. Yeah. I can't be fulfilled if you are not, oh. if you are without have if you don't want to. And that, what is that word again? That's called Ubuntu. U-B-U-N-T-U. Okay. It's a Koso word from South Africa, which is the tribe of Nelson Mandela. Long time coming, I'm glad to see what's good for you, what's good for me. Some people may disagree, but yeah, that's alright, what they believe. Had to go back with myself in the mirror, living in love, man, and living in fear. Television screen, tell me what I want to hear when actuality, they are what they appear. Have to ask myself a difficult questions, who we living for? What's my perception of the whole wide world? All of creation is a method of myself for some other reason. Every single thing serves another purpose. No one ever tell that you are worthless like on and on and on and on it goes. When it's stopping, no one knows. Uh, peace be with you, peace be with me. Peace for the mother from which all things be. Peace be with you and peace be with me. Peace for the child with no family. Peace be with you and peace be with me. Peace for the brother in humanity. When peace be with you, peace be with me. Peace for the sister in the life she leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When it took many years for me to conclude, force feeding you were watching the news. Don't want you to go believe this A big people world that's overseas Well, that's what it took for me to find purpose Close cars or watches, everything's worthless What you taking with you when you die? Oh, well, nothing 
stays behind so who's getting rich from your addiction blue bean chef of these contradictions package it up call it green clear cut the forest and the tan down the trees will every single thing is all connected every single thing should be respected what affects you are affects me Every part of you, just another part of me And peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the mother from which all things be Peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the child with no family And peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the brother in humanity Oh, and peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the sister when the life she leads Yeah, yeah, yeah Oh, mm -mm, yeah. oh no, yeah so, uh, one more thing that I was taught There's more to life than what you got Rich men still don't have a need But then a poor man keep his dignity Well, rich men still don't have enough Poor man's cool without the stuff Well, how can a man claim authority If it don't even serve the minority Or will every single man must make a choice Honor and respect a woman's voice Only as strong as the weakest link Not who we are is how we think so Let me conclude with one more rhyme Only change the world with an open mind Will love each other more than yourself Practice happiness as your wealth And peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the mother from which all things be Peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the child with no family Peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the brother in humanity Peace be with you, peace be with me Peace for the sister and the last shit Lee Very nice The concept of Ubuntu Which it's literal translation to English is I am because we are oh. You know, it's a concept It's taken me, I heard it many years ago It's kind of taken us took me a couple years to really wrap my head around this. Right. Even though I knew what it meant, I heard the words, but but Ubuntu it. has to really soak in. Interesting. It's, it's a concept that's hard for us to understand in the West because we are so individual. Right. Where this word comes from a tribe. And when you live in a tribe, you're not so much of an individual. Right. You're well, you, so you, connected to everyone. You're all your relatives. You all live together. You all... Your survival is based upon each other. It's the so, survival of the tribe. It's such a more communal way of thinking. So if you think about Ubuntu from a tribal perspective, it's completely different than us trying to think about Ubuntu from a society that thrives off of, you know, consumers in yeah. yeah. Like, Ubuntu is like, it's a word we've been carrying around for years oh. and we're, we're, and we're feeling it because yeah. learning it's... about it. We're always thinking about it in new ways and we're trying to share it. Yeah. yeah. And I tried explaining this one time and I, you know, there's some people that really were upset with this, but Ubuntu, like Katie and I felt Ubuntu. There's, we felt it many times. Okay. There's one time where it's just kind of like thrown, it just, it is what it is, okay? Katie and I were working with refugees out in Turkey and Greece, but when we were in Turkey, we were working with a nonprofit that was helping Syrian refugees who were stuck in Turkey. And yeah. uh, some of those volunteers were Syrians themselves. They, they're our friends. They're our translators, you know? And, we, you know, so we became, you know, people on our volunteering team 
we all became this, you know, I was kind of like a family. You know, we're with people from all over, you know, people from all over the world. But, you know, we have a couple of these friends who are Syrians, who fled Syria because of the war, you know. And uh, one of them, I don't want to use his name, but he was a really close friend of ours. And this guy, <laughs> I can't get into his story, but it's just, you know, if you can imagine what would cause a family who has 12 kids to send one child at a time out of Aleppo to go to somewhere he's never they've never been one child at a time out to Turkey and get to get to Europe where there's safety where you don't have to worry about bombs I mean not speaking the language you know and, and this he was the first one of all of his brothers and sisters not all of them are over there still but well you know who are fleeing Isis yeah. you know Daesh is yeah. what they call him Daesh yeah. Because true Muslims don't associate ISIS that says ISIS Islamic yeah. state. ISIS is not Islam, despite what they say and what we yeah, try yeah. to paint. Okay, so yeah. anyway, um, our friend who we became very close with, you know, I'm hearing stories of like the stories, you know, real stories, you know. We have to get on an airplane back to the United States so we can go and do our work and do the stuff that we believe in live in our van, our friend takes us to the airport. I mean, he's like, this is just my, this is who I, we're like, no, 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 you don't have to take us. You don't, he's like, buying our bus ticket? Dude, stop paying for our, you need this money. He's like car trying to carry all Trying to bags. carry my guitars, all my heavy bags. I'm just like, brother, like, you know, I love you so much, you know, but he's like, this is my custom. I take people to the airport and I see them off. I've always loved airports. And I'm thinking about it. You know, this guy had to pay smugglers to get across into Turkey, out of Syria. Tried seven or eight times to take paid smugglers to go into Greece, you know. And here he wants to come. You know, and he's not a bad guy. He's a great guy. He's, he's, he would be your best friend. Everybody that I know, he would be anybody's best friend. Just wants freedom and safety for him and his family. But he comes and takes to the airport. And all of a sudden, we get we get we go through... The tickets, we've done our baggage, and then we have to go through the metal detector to go through security, and that's where it stops. And so my brother, who's doing amazing work, if there's anybody that deserves some freedom, this guy deserves some freedom. But because of where I was born and where he was born, the soil that we were born was different. I have the privilege to be able to go across that security and get on an airplane and go fly to my safe country while he can't because of the passport. So we stood across and I'm trying and I and, and people I think people really understand this to tie this into Ubuntu, okay? Here it is, this man is quite living here. I don't necessarily say he would say that because he's he's an amazing man. But in my opinion, like the man can't go home. His family's living behind ISIS, you know, and I'm going to go fly to my freedom. I walked through that security and you know what I felt? I didn't feel as free. There's a little bit less in me. I couldn't feel fully free because I knew as I'm watching him and he's watching me, us, he can't walk through there, but I can in well, Ubuntu so Ubuntu and Ubuntu is is that like am I really fully free am I 
fully free because this guy that I'm connected to, that I love like a family, like a brother, he can't have that freedom, but I can't. So am I really free? And more importantly, when I get back, am I just going to just, oh, I just soak in that freedom. Oh, I bathe in it. I can't do that. Something I just want to add to that story, like working with, you know, volunteers from all over the world and with Syrians who were the translators, we were like, Brian said, like a family. We all every day would share our meals together, volunteer long hours together. For nothing. Go drink tea after a long day, after we've already all had 20 cups of tea with hearing all the local stories, families. Hearing stories of why we these refugees left. wanted to be together. And it was like during that time, everything we did, we were all doing together. It was like we were all very equal until that moment at the airport when it's like, oh wait, we can do this, but you can't. Yep. It's a privilege that I have that you don't. And it was a privilege that I couldn't. Like I, I said, I, I made a post and even people in my family got really upset because I said, I was like, I just wanted, I wanted, like if I could have given him my passport, I would have given him my passport. Because at that moment, at that moment, I was like, I've lived an entire life. I come from middle class, suburban America. Like I've, 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 I'm, I've been, I've, I've received, I've received an abundant, more privilege than, you know, as we've traveled around this world and seen with our own eyes and followed my heart, I've received more privilege than I'm comfortable with accepting, to be honest. And if there's anybody who deserves some freedom, this man who, who had to go through crazy things, who's serving other people who are going through crazy things, like, can this guy, can this guy just have a little bit of a taste but I don't mean any disrespect to any of no, our serve no, no, our, no. our our military because that's I had family I had people who were in the military and they took that as I was disrespecting the work that in the service of our military which was not true I I have family in my military and I support those men and women who decide to follow their passions. You know, I, I don't mean any disrespect to that. I think if uh, personally, uh, being a, a a veteran. If if you if you are offended by that story, then you have a lot of personal issues of your own that you need to deal with, not at the story that you, that you just that's, just told me, because it's uh, I mean that how can you that, that the line was drawn and, and yeah. there's, there's nothing you could do about it. But I, I can also understand the parents of of I can also like you know I can also understand the parents who have you know uh, their children maybe who are just enlisted into the army or in the military of some sort to go serve their country. And then, you know, they see somebody like me who says, I want to give up my American passport. Uh, I, I don't mean that, you know, but it, it, it's, it's just, it's not that I wanted to give up my passport and the freedom that I've been awarded, but I just... You experienced brotherhood with someone. I experienced brotherhood. You wanted to feel that equality, that you could have the same opportunity and and you, that you have. You just said it there, too. You, you, these people, you know, they have the choice... To go join the military, and and, and to, to serve their country in a way that they deem necessary for their beliefs of joining the military. Right. I personally, which uh, is to make peace and prosperity upon our land. And there's much Why? better ways to do it than to join there's, the military. There's many yeah. ways to do it, yeah. and uh, you know, and I respect people who choose to whose I respect people whose philosophies, you know, follow that direction. Yeah. You know, I do respect that. I have a lot of friends and family members. 
who have served in the military, you and, and a lot of veterans, whom I respect a lot. And there's a huge human cost of war that's often yeah. overlooked. And that's what we're choosing to respond to. We, yeah, and that's and what we believe can help bring about more peace. Right. Because our right now, because uh, the, the brass tacks of it is is that this refugee crisis that we responded to and min, millions and millions of other people responded all over the country and all over the world as well. This crisis became a crisis, became the worst crisis since, since, since World War II because... The the people because there there wasn't a fit an, uh, an adequate response to these refugees. Mm -hmm. the, the governments, the EU, the United States, like we're we're spending millions and billions and billions of dollars on war in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. That is, you know, because and then all of a sudden there's a huge response. Like we're spending a lot of tax dollars towards destruction and stuff, which causes these refugee crises. But we as countries in this, uh, around the world, do not take responsibility for them, and not only we not, you know, we don't, we don't, we, as countries, did not adequately respond. And these people who are refugees have human rights that are that are clearly written out in 1951 Human Rights con uh, ca um, Conference in Geneva, Switzerland. You know, and we as countries said, no, we're not going to do that. So that's why the people did that. The people responded. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it, it's it's a sickening thing when when you look at the the cost of a of a B fifty two, or or and look at the the cost of bringing this family in, but and, and and just helping them get going, because you know when when they come into the country they're they're going to do really probably uh, do a great job being here, or to give thirty bucks to put somebody through through grade school, I mean the and that's in is balance. Yeah. Our, our balance is is so screwed up. Yeah. And, uh, and, there's and, too much fear. And we don't need to be it. afraid. They're, like, they're, they're, we're not going to fix it. You know, the, uh, if if we do what we do, thinking that it's going to be fixed, then we're then we're screwing up. It's, it's not going to happen. We do what we do to help the people along the way. Because I mean, in, in our lifetime, we'll never see it fixed. Right. Yeah. You know, I think um, kind of just to put a little bit of a a uh, little bit more context on the whole refugee thing. You know, what I was saying was another thing is that, you know. A lot of people who are, you know, we talk to a lot of people from Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, people from all over, man. you know, these refugees, Muslim refugees, whatever you want, whatever label you want to put on these humans. And honestly, like, people are so afraid, like, oh, they don't want, they want to come, they want to come, don't kill them. Like, honestly, you ask anybody, anyone, anywhere, the universal human common denominator, if you will, and that is, there's no place like home. Yeah, Syrians. You think Syrians want to be living in 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 Europe, in United States? No. You talk to these Syrians. You know where they want to live. You know where they want to go? Home. But they can't because our bombs are blowing stuff up. Not just our bombs. Not just our bombs, but there's a lot of other ones too. You know, and uh, yeah. So it's like you know, I feel like I feel like a great. You know, it's like if you, we don't want refugees, I'm not saying we, but if people don't want, these leaders, whatever, don't want refugees showing up at the borders, then you know what? Rebuild the stuff that we destroyed. Yeah. Invest into the country, you know? Well, you can't rebuild until the war. No, you can't rebuild. You're right. You can't rebuild till the war ends. But, you know, it, it is a really super complicated situation. Us, but 
We can just respond with love. Yeah, well, that's all we're trying to do is yeah. respond with love. And build a bridge, you build know, by bridge. becoming yeah. friends with these people. Right. Humanizing them and then and telling then, their stories. And then for us as Americans, we can say, look, we're American. Right. We love you. Mm. We, we want this war to end, too. Right. And we want to see you have your basic rights. Yeah. And in we the can meantime, all... and, you know, we're your ally and... And speak on their behalf as well, because they're being grossly misrepresented through um, mainstream media. And uh, I think there's this new culture that's brooding here, that's 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 coming up here in America. That's you know where we're culturally against other people, uh, whether you know call that nationalism, Islamophobia, xenophobia, all that stuff. All that stuff, you know, we have to actively, actively combat that through peaceful non-violent ways where we meet people where they are you know it's it, there's a lot of people who probably half my following you know is like I'm not gonna you know a lot of people may not agree with the work that we do I know that there's a lot of people don't because I hear it but right. I guarantee you if any of those people have the experience that we had yeah. and sat in the homes of these people right they're makeshift homes that they're right. now living in, in, you know, that, that's my, 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 in Turkey. Yeah. That's my thought exactly. Is they you, wouldn't you, feel that you, way. They wouldn't no, feel no. that way. Because but you're, right now you're dealing with people that, that, that are being educated with, with what you guys are experiencing and living on a day-to-day -day basis with these different families and oh. places that you go. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you're doing it with an open mind and open heart for the sole reason of helping somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, you're over here, you have the people that are against what you're doing that is being educated mm -hmm. into that situation that you're living through very biased media. Right. And, and so their, their thoughts are, are tainted terribly. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and so you know, you, it's to the point, in, in my way, is uh, I don't even think you can really argue with them. Because it's, it's like, no, you, you, I can it's have, apples and yeah, oranges. Yeah, you, you so you just have to respond with love yeah, and yeah. meet them where they're at. You I can't. can't yeah, you can't have a, a conversation have, of, of love and let, compassion. We can't let them yeah. stop us from right. responding no, no, in the right. ways that we feel no. we need to respond. You do. You make it even harder. You, you do know, better. You know. Yeah. I had. I had people. I had people as close as the people in my family, mm -hmm. very close to me, who said, "You know, when I came back and I started sharing stories of what we were, what we experienced on the ground in refugee camps, people were like, you know, on like my some people, in my close family, you know, and closest friends were just like." You know, yeah, Bri, like, I can't follow you anymore. I can't, I don't agree with you. I can't support you anymore because I don't, like, what someone told me, quote, was that, you know, I would see your post every single day, and then it was exactly opposite of what I saw in the news. And I had to make a choice. Am I going to believe you? Or I'm not going to say which, which news station, but you could probably take a guess. And that person in my family chose the news. That's what he told me. And I'm just like, so wait, you're telling me that because the narrative that I've given on the ground is different than the one that's being invested by millions and millions and millions of dollars to tell you being pumped into your television screen. Like, you're telling me that, like, the real life experience that I have, you can't just get on with that. You can't even listen to it or hear it or let alone we can't even be connected anymore or family anymore because... It's different than what is being told on your television. Wow, that's crazy. And I mean, man. I'm not trying, and I'm not sending anything about pop. People are like, I don't like your pop. You talk, look through my Facebook timeline. 
I'm not talking about politics. We're talking man. about we're talking about humanity. People. I'm talking about humanity. The problem is, is that politicians politicize these humanitarian things. You know what I mean? Like, which is loving your quote unquote enemy, serving the least of these, loving your neighbor. You know, like just the the story of a good Samaritan. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what's the refugee crisis right now, right. in our response to displaced people on account of war. People don't need to look any further than the story of Good Samaritan as to whether or not we should help our neighbor. And anybody that like, anybody, not that I want to go down a religious standpoint, but trying, you know, to use religion. And I've had people use religion and Jesus as reasons, try to examples as to why I, we should not do the work that we're doing. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, like Jesus was, born a refugee like so you can't even you, you know you, you're talking apples and oranges you just have to respond with love yeah. and continue to be fearless I, I call it having a conversation with an unarmed person it's, it's, I, I run into it all the time you can't and you you just kind of have to you just kind of quiet I get quiet you know and it's it's all right you know and and the one thing I know I you know we've been on the ground mm -hmm. I, and I'm in, even being on the ground it's it's hard for me to even speak on some of their stories because you're talking about crazy stories, man. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that 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 like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's hard to even share some of these stories because I want to respect them and I also don't, I I don't know how to explain a story that yeah. is like that, yeah. in a way that people, like myself who are in the privileged majority, can yeah. understand. I can't even understand it. Well, we yeah. can talk. Forever about the yeah, stories, we can. But Sorry. I just want to say, can I just say like one more short story from that trip? So, one woman we had been in her home for probably an hour or two, just sharing with each other. And a lot of the time in Turkey, we would just be drinking tea and getting to know people. We weren't necessarily feeding people or building no. anything. No, they're Syrians, they, they're, they're hard workers, they take care it was of themselves. Just you know, I felt a lot of times it was just being human with each other, crying together, yeah. laughing together, just playing with their kids. And the, the organization we work with has started schools and gotten the kids plugged into schools because a lot of these kids were out of school for a while because of the war. So they're doing a lot of great things. But on our trip, it was kind of just getting to know the families that were there and seeing what their needs were. And then the organization could respond to that. So this lady, we had been in her home, we had had several cups of tea, she had brought out the fruit that she had, we had shared fruit together, and at some point she said to us, on the news you hear stories about people in your country hating us. Do people in America hate us? You know, and we kind of had a conversation about that, and then what she said at the end of it was, you know, when this war is over, and we go back to Syria, I'm going to have a feast at my house and everyone will be invited even those people who hate me they're invited that's what her she looked us dead in the eye and told us that well I'm going to that feast the Syrian people are amazing amazing culture man well you know one of the questions that was coming in my head as we first started which it's just like I told you I never prepared for nothing so it was uh you know who who comes first you know katie and brian the musicians and uh, the artists 
or the humanitarians. But I think in this conversation, you've answered that question. Sounds a full bit. You, you guys, you just, you, you speak with such passion and love from your heart. And you're using your... People always your, come your, first, your, man. Yeah. Especially your, before your, us. God-given talents to, to do what you're doing. And, and, and with your music, um, which we need to share some, um, we, uh, you're, you're spreading the word out there. And uh, you, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's amazing. Yeah, you guys, I'm so proud of you guys. It's just amazing. Well, oh, it takes a village, yeah. man. It takes a village, Absolutely. and there's, I mean, there are, a, as you know, and you are one of those, you're, you're one of our, you know, you're part of the tribe, yeah. and it's, uh, we have it's, a lot of support, we have and so a lot much of, support. we meet so many kind, amazing people everywhere, right. so I don't want to leave a message of, you know, we've been rejected so no, much, yeah, yeah, definitely we've experienced not. that, yeah. but, we obviously being able to do this, live this lifestyle, and do the work we're doing, right. is because of the overwhelming tremendously overwhelming support of, of our village of our village of thousands people of people in our family mm. and even even the fam even the even the the family and the people who don't agree i mean agree with us and agree with the work i mean it's still those people they our family i mean they, they and our friends they have overwhelmingly showered us with so much support mm. and love mm. you know i mean it's that's a great that's point what, that's mm. what that's what we see as we travel we see good we don't like we've been to over 35 countries and we experience a more similarities between people than differences. Yeah. And we experience the goodness in people. Yeah. Just over I, and I, over again. I agree with you so and much. We don't need that, to be yeah. afraid. And we don't no. need to think there's lack and there's only enough for some. Mm -hmm. There's enough for everybody. And we need to stop being afraid of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and stop thinking that we are better or others are worse or that our class or our race or our uh, country of origin, you know, right. is better or worse than anybody. I mean, that all is, equal. we are all equal. Absolutely. All of us are equal. I think I'm, I have, of all the places I've gone and stuff and the people I've met, it's um, a very, very small minority that you, you avoid you walk away from most people are, are so and, and it seems like the poor the people that's why i love going to poor countries yeah. right because they're I mean, the most beautiful people right oh like, they're the most rich yeah. like they're yeah. just they're, they're, they're rich, rich in people. family yeah. they're rich in culture yeah. they're rich in community they're rich in you know heritage you walk down the road in kenya mm -hmm. everyone greets you and like you feel like a celebrity, especially with the kids. They all scream. Yeah. They call the white people Mazungu. Uh -huh. Mazungu, Mazungu. So they all say, Mazungu, how, how are, are you? you? And they start running towards you. They just I want to touch to you and <laughs> hug you. Feel your hair. Yeah. Feel um, your skin just to see if the white skin like, yeah. feels the same yeah. as the black skin. You know, like, you want to know what it feels like to be a rock star? Yeah. You know? Everybody don't, else they had don't, either. Yeah, you don't want to feel like a rock star because yeah. it's not that cool. It's yeah. not real, but you know. Yeah. But if you go to if you go to Rusinga Island in Kenya, or a lot of places, there's still a lot of places. You know, like people, oh, you yeah. get to see people who are just so excited that yeah. you came to there. Yeah. And that is, you know, people ask like, oh, have you ever been scared, dangerous? I was telling this guy at my show last night, and he's looking at our world map and tour history, and he's just like, I'm like, man. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not, again, don't want to say any disrespect to, to anybody here in this country, but the only time I've ever been, my life has ever been, like, in danger, you know, has been in this country. Yeah. You know, I've had people 
shooting guns and pointing. I mean, just you know, never in Africa or Asia or other parts of the world. I mean, it's only here in America where I've ever been. I mean, you know, it is safe. And this world, I feel like people, the, the conversation I was having with the guy yesterday, you know, he's, you know, is that people think like, oh, the people hate us, they don't like us because we're American or this or that. It's like, no, no, no. Just yeah, because like, experience. just because like we treat foreigners and, and immigrants like we do here in this country doesn't not, that's not how everybody else in the rest of the world treats others, you know, like, and I've, we actually have, you know, had the privilege of being able to travel around the world. And experience that and people are just so kind i mean i feel like people treat us with I, I feel like people treat us with more respect because we're american i don't know what it, what it is or why but i just feel like there's like people just really treat us very kindly and this is not when we're they not they treat everybody that way you're right maybe they, they do you know they do try yeah, to treat you, everybody you guys like are very that. high energy people you, 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 have, you have pure energy of, of, about who you are and and that is an attractor you yeah. know, and, and, and when you when you when you go out there among people and you're giving yourself, whether it's it, you know it's just by the energy you have or the, the smiles that you, you you can share with somebody, you're you're an attractor. Yeah, if and you you're walk, an energizer, you know. And if it's, you walk uh, through a village and you see beauty yeah. and goodness in the people, Absolutely. you bring yeah. that out. If yeah. you want to walk through a village and you know have different kind of thoughts or fear yeah. of people. You might see something different, and you're you know. probably attract a lot more uh, yeah. fear and danger. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you you guys feel me with your stories, and it, uh, it's it's never ending. So it, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You do the same with yours. Yeah, brother. I mean, we're on a similar journey. We are on a similar we're journey. We're connected. Yeah, you know, and what we're doing, and we're not doing anything unique. Mm -hmm. We're not doing anything that nobody else has never done before. We're just doing what. We're just trying to emulate what many people, just like you, we, us, we are all, and so many other people around the country and around the world, you know, from, you know, everybody. They we're trying to, we're trying to tap into that thing that's been passed along humanity throughout our history of forgotten about, the, you know, and that is, you know, and that is looking after each other. That is, that is really caring about each other. And we other. can do that in so many ways. So like, many ways. We have a unique life where we've been traveling to different mm -hmm. parts of the world and experienced different things like working with refugees or people in Africa. Yeah. But our message to people is always do what's yours to do. Right. In your community, in your own family. With Don't feel like you have about, to you know, go food. pack up and go to Africa. Yeah. Do what is yours to right. do with your life. Right. And that doesn't have to be some big grand adventure it can be just do it with your loving yeah. the people yeah. in your neighborhood loving your own family nothing left to lose take one <laughs>
gonna see this world with both my eyes, yeah. Me seeing this world through another's eyes, yeah. I'm singing to you, yeah. I'm singing to you, yeah. You and you and you, singing to you, child, yeah. Singing to me, too. I got nothing left to lose, oh, yeah. Been seeing some things I can't forget. Yeah. Oh no, no. Getting real hard trying to find my place. Getting hard trying to relate. Oh yeah. The vast wasteland of apathy. Cause there's a couple things I would rather not see. Gonna, gonna speak up and sing out loud, yeah You know, I'm gonna sing it up and sing it loud And proud child, yeah I'm gonna see this world with both my eyes, yeah Just means seeing this world through another's eyes, yeah I'm singing to you, yeah I'm singing to you, oh yeah You and you and you Singing to you, child, yeah. I'm singing to me too. I got nothing left to lose, oh yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. Thanks. So there you have it. A conversation with somebody we all should know. Katie and Brian Ernst. I went a little longer than I usually do on the podcast, but uh we didn't seem to have enough time to get in everything we wanted to talk about. It's hard to cut short somebody that shares the same vision as you do, knows love, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, gratitude. Which so many of us could learn a huge lesson from these two and what they do, spreading the, the vision that comes from their heart could tremendously benefit not only ourselves but everyone around us so until next time have a fantastic day and spread a little love whose motorcycle is this it's a chopper baby whose chopper is this zed's who's zed zed's dead baby zed's dead